You're listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, a podcast discussing the latest trends in technology in the food and supplement industries, featuring conversations with regulatory experts, quality and safety champions, and thought leaders across the industry. The podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to today's episode of Transparency Talk with Trustwell. My name is Katie Jones, and I'm the Chief Customer Officer here at Trustwell. Today on the podcast, we're going to continue discussing a topic at the core of our mission here at Trustwell, the burden of foodborne illness. On a global scale, the staggering reality of foodborne illness cannot be ignored. More than 600 million cases annually, and tragically leading to over 400,000 deaths. And sadly, 30% of these casualties impact children under the age of five. In the U.S. specifically, the CDC stats reveal another sobering statistic. An estimated 48 million individuals fall ill annually, with 128,000 requiring hospitalization, and sadly, a heartbreaking 3,000 dying from foodborne disease. This translates to a distressing reality where one in 10 people worldwide and a startling one in seven in the U.S. suffer from illnesses caused by something as fundamental as food safety and really something that everyone should have the ability to do, eat safely. At Trustwell, we refuse to accept this is the status quo, and it's our belief that more can and should be done to tackle this avoidable public health crisis. And here on the podcast to help us dive into this issue more is Bill Marler, an accomplished attorney and national expert in food safety. Marler has become the most prominent foodborne illness lawyer in America and a major force in food policy in the U.S. and around the world. Over the last 30 years, Marler's firm, the Food Safety Law Firm, has represented thousands of individuals and in claims against food companies whose contaminated products have caused life-altering in- injury and even death. Bill's advocacy for a safer food supply includes petitioning the U.S. Department of Agriculture to better regulate pathogenic E. coli, working with nonprofit food safety and foodborne illness victims organizations, and helping spur the passage of the 2010-2011 FDA Food Safety Modernization Act. These efforts are featured in a new Netflix documentary called Poison, which addresses the current challenges faced in the U.S. food supply chain and challenges the notion that the U.S., as the safest supply chain in the world. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thanks a lot. It's good to good to hear and see you. So. Yes. Awesome. So um, read that incredibly impressive bio. Um, you've clearly devoted your career to advocating for victims of foodborne illness. And, you know, you came to this career path, and this is a little bit um, talked about in the documentary, but you came to this career path a bit by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how your career path led you to food safety? Yeah, I mean, in some respects, I was, you know, at the wrong place at the right time or mm-hmm. right place at the wrong time. It depends on how you're supposed to look at it. Um, I was a young lawyer in a law firm when the jack-in-the-box outbreak blew up in Seattle. And um, I got contacted relatively early um, by, by by someone. Um, and... Um, I filed a lawsuit and went from having one client to 10 clients to 100 clients. And then um, uh, many of the seriously injured victims, uh, families contacted me. And, um, you know, I, I, I just sort of pushed myself to the front of the line of lawyers doing the work. And, yeah. 
one of the things you know about human beings is, is that if you offer to do the work, most people will just step back and let you do it. And uh, that's how I sort of became, you know, fairly quickly, you know, the go-to person uh, about E. coli and foodborne illness litigation in the United States. Um, by the time the Jack in the Box case was over, uh, frankly, there wasn't another lawyer in the country, if not the world, who knew more about this area of the law than I did, other than my then now, now partner, Bruce Clark, who was chief counsel for Jack in the Box, who I hired in 1998 huh. to Marla Clark. Yeah. Now, we mentioned in the intro, um, you are featured in this new Netflix documentary called Poisoned. Uh, the, the documentary challenges, if you watch the preview, if, even if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but um, it really challenges this common misperception that the U.S. food supply chain is, quote, the safest in the world and something that seems to be touted heavily, um, you know, as this talk track and, in, in, um, you know, clearly the documentary challenges that. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the film and, you know, why our listeners who predominantly are in, you know, in the food industry and in the food safety space, why should listeners watch the documentary? Yeah, I mean, um, I didn't have a lot of control over exactly how the documentary was going to go, um, other than sort of trying to help suggest who to interview. Um, sure. <laughs> and, um, and I think, but they did a really good job of of portraying what I think is, in a sense, the most important message. And to me, uh, I wanted to make sure that even though I knew a lot of this was going to be shocking, and it is, I mean, the numbers, the, the stories, uh, you know, the illnesses, um, and all of that is, is, is difficult for everyone to, to watch. But I, the one thing that I really wanted to make sure that got across was is that these are not completely throw your hands up in the air. I can't fix this problem. But there, and I and I really wanted to get across the fact that, you know, when I first started doing this in the 90s, uh, really up until, you know, the early 2000s, about 99% of the work I did was E. coli cases linked to hamburger. Uh -huh. And that's zero now. It's zero. Now, you know, I wrote an op-ed in the Denver Post in 2002 uh, when I was at sort of the wit's end about why it had not fixed this problem. And I said, you know, if you hate trial lawyers, you know, put me out of business by fixing the meat problem. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, whether it was for that reason or the fact, if, you know, finally they just got sick of being sued or, you know, they got sick of having, you know, their names in the, the newspaper, you know, the industry stepped up government industry stepped up and um, and we haven't had like recalls and outbreaks linked to hamburger and so it's a it's a positive thing and so I part of the way I hope this comes across in the movie is is that that was a difficult process but that you know people work together and fix the problem and so when you look at salmonella and chicken or e coli and romaine lettuce or listeria and cut fruit or you know, there's an ice cream outbreak going on here in the Pacific Northwest, tragi tragically. Um, those things are, you know, shouldn't be just accepted. We should look at them and say, what can we do to prevent this from happening again? So I, 
I think that is what I hope people take away from the movie that that yes, there's a lot of bad things that go on, but that we can solve these problems. Yeah. I think um, for me personally too, um, that a message that really hit home was that um, we do and seem to have put more of the burden on the individual to make sure that you know their actions at home um, and for me, it's very personal. Um, my oldest son, uh, who just turned 16, started driving, oh, um, oh. <laughs> um, has a, a life-threatening tree nut allergy. And mm -hmm. so there is this constant burden on, you know, me as his mom and, and yep. you know, and as, as uh, my husband, too, as, as, our, as his parents. But now, as he's getting older, obviously, the burden on him to make sure that he's constantly asking and you know it's that same kind of feeling that um you know wanting to have more transparency around you know the supply chain and everything that is going on top of obviously um making sure that uh, that foods are pathogen free so um lots of really um again like core messages uh i think hitting for a lot of people and and um to your point earlier about you know, a lot of shocking um, yeah. information um, that I think people are kind of um, waking up to in a sense. But um, there are some actions, and I'm glad you acknowledge that. Like there, we've we've we have made a lot of progress, right? And I think that that's certainly something that uh, you know we acknowledge. Um, but there were some clear actions kind of uh, outlined uh, in the the documentary, specifically at the federal level, that you know you feel are necessary to reduce reduce the burden of foodborne illness in the U.S. And you talked about a couple of those different types of products, right, that we're seeing you know um, issues in. Can you walk us through some of those actions um, I mean, you kind of called action for? Sure. I mean, I, I think a couple of things to really think about is you know when you talk about the 48 million Americans getting sick every year. You know, about 32 million of those are norovirus cases. Mm. And so there's a couple things, you know, that I'm excited about. They're, they're really advancing fairly quickly on a norovirus vaccine, which I think is going to be pretty cool and yeah. that reduce the burden on those cases. But, you know, those are lots of th those norovirus cases have a lot to do with, you know, personal hygiene, you know, hand washing. Uh, staying at home if you're sick, don't go to work, that kind right. of stuff. That's, you know, that, so I believe firmly that this isn't just a situation where um, consumers should get a free pass. I think consumers need to be responsible as well. And consumers writ large, you know, not just mom and pop, you know, at home with their kid or their kids, right. but also consumers like in retail settings. And so, so I think that's, you know, one thing that I think we can't lose sight of is that consumers bear responsibility uh, for some of these things. It gets a little more tricky when you start to deal with things like, you know, cut bag, triple washed lettuce or uh, chicken and that you bring into your home. And as as one of the people in the, you know, uh, movie, you know, said, you know, you have to think about it is a biohazard. And and my view is that's the way we used to look at, you know, uh, E. coli and hamburger. Mm -hmm. And is, is, is E. coli in hamburger completely absent now? No. Does, do consumers still, writ large, still need to pay attention to cooking temperatures? Hell yes, they do. Yeah. Um, but, but the, do I think of, of hamburger as a biohazard bringing into my home anymore? 
I don't. So, you know, call to action. You know, long, my I, I have a tendency to make my uh, short stories long. I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's a lawyer's problem, I suppose. <laughs> you know, if you look at just chicken, we can do a way better job of making sure that chickens are not contaminated with salmonella when they arrive at the slaughter facility. When they arrive at the slaughter facility, it's too late. They're good. Salmonella is going to get spread in a slaughter plant. And the thing is, is that USDA has no control. FDA has no control over what happens to chickens before they get to the slaughter facility. That's crazy. We should have, you know, if you have, as I was telling Rosa Delora in the movie, you know, if, if birds have bird flu, you know, USDA is all over the farms eradicating flocks. Uh-huh. Birds have salmonella. They don't do a dang thing. And so we need to think about vaccinations. We need to think about culling, um, you know, culling uh, flocks uh, that are contaminated with salmonella. So we don't, so we lessen the bacterial load that gets pushed into a slaughter facility. So the bacterial load is lessened when it gets into our kitchens. So that's, you know, the things, and that does work. We see it happening in Europe. Um, Another thing that I think we should institute is, um, you know, I call it sort of name and shame. I think, you know, government should routinely go to grocery stores and test chicken and publicize who's got the most tainted chicken. And, you know, the idea being, you know, let's put pressure on the system by making the people who profit from that the most um, responsible. And I think that's a positive thing. Um, Leafy greens, um, you know, every one of the leafy green cases I've been involved in in the last 20 years, there's a cow somewhere, and usually a lot of them. It's a dairy farm nearby. It's a cattle feedlot nearby. Uh It's contaminated water that came up up from a, a, a feedlot somewhere. You know, we need to come to grips with, you know, the environmental pathogens uh, if we're growing products like fresh fruits and vegetables that don't have a kill step. You know, what we have to do is deal with land use issues uh, and how that all operates from an environmental protection point of view. But again, right now, there's no government entity, there's no government regulation that really does a good job of dealing with those two two things. If you fix those two things, salmonella and chicken and and land use issues and leafy greens, Uh you have a far more interesting person to talk to on this podcast than me. (laughs) Well, still have some work to do, obviously. Um, We we talked about it earlier. Um, We've made a lot of progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of our uh, customers and some connections. And, you know, I think there was overwhelmingly, um, it, you know, general excitement about the documentary that it's going to raise awareness. I think there, you know, there are several topics that the average consumer may not be aware of or think through. Um, and you acknowledged it, how much progress we've made over the last 30 plus years in our um, in our intro and in your bio mentioning FISMA. From your perspective, we'll le- we'll end on a high note. <laughs> um, what are the biggest contributions to food safety that you've seen over the last thirty years, in your opinion? Um, you know, I think um, 
uh, deeming uh, E. coli O157 and some other shiga toxins adulterants that has uh, changed the entire scope. Uh, I don't think people really appreciate um, that simple, you know, quote unquote, simple solution has saved countless, countless lives. We, you know, uh, I may not agree with everything that uh, Mike Taylor has done or, or what he says, um, but uh, I'm honored to know him because that man's decision uh, in 1994 has saved countless lives. It's, it's, it's really uh, admirable. So, the, and I think that again is an indication of how we can do things. Um, I think FISMA has changed sort of the trajectory, trying to make uh, FDA more proactive than reactive, but we still have a long way to go with the water rule and, and other things that still haven't been completely implemented, traceability uh, that needs to be done. So, you know, there, there are, there are things to do. Um, I think some of the organizations that industry, uh, whether it be LGMA um, and others, uh, I think they have been good first steps at moving the needle to make our food supply safer. But I think that we really uh, need to sort of have a sort of a holistic government, industry, consumer approach to so many of these problems. And that's sometimes the most frustrating part of what I see is that we're not doing that as well as we could. Yeah, I um, we work in the supply chain. Um, it's such a multifaceted problem uh, with a multifaceted solution, right? There's so many things um, that need to align from policy to training to education um, to technology, just ac across the board. Um, but thank you uh, for everything that, that you've done um, for you know sharing your story with us today and on uh, especially on this new um, exciting documentary. So, Bill, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast with us. Thank you very much. It was it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, we will include a link to that uh, documentary poisoned within our podcast notes. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to watch it, please do so. And thank you again for tuning into Transparency Talk with Trustwell, where we explore the critical role of transparency in building trust and driving positive change in today's food chain. Thank you for listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell. To learn more about Trustwell and its technology platform that connects product formulation, nutrition analysis, and compliant labeling with traceability, recall readiness, and supply chain transparency, please visit www.trustwell.com.